All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Wow, what an awesome time of worship. I hope that you got distraction-free and were able to receive all of that. I'll tell you, you know, this worshiping without you in the building is not my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm not keen on it. I have missed seeing all of you here. It has been, it's been something that this whole week I've been thinking about different people I haven't talked to yet in in weeks. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I found something new and special today with Pastor Eli and Elisa here uh, for this live service. They're, they're standing in the back. I've been sitting in my normal little seat. If you go to Good Hope, you know that's my little seat. That's where I, I'm, I'm not standing in the seat, but I'm at my seat standing for worship like a nice little soldier. And I noticed they're just all over the room, like in the back. And I was like, well, I can worship anywhere. So I just like... This was kind of fun today. I got to worship all over the room, stand around, not be a distraction. So listen, there's something special that God has for you in any environment and any season. And today I really want to share something uh, that is from my heart. First of all, I'm excited that with the governor's order, it looks like we're going to be able to be back together in worship on the first Sunday of next month. That's about two weeks May the 3rd, I want everybody to praise God for that. I ought to see a bunch of hands up emojis, a lot of hearts, a lot of 100s flying off the screen, all kind of excited stuff. I don't know all the details of what that's going to look like, but we know it's going to be safe, sanitized, and spirit-filled, all right? It's going to be good, and you're not going to miss it. Um, until, uh, until then, I hope you'll lock in on those small groups that we launched last week. Uh, I had my first group. We had about seven people in the first group. Then a bunch of new people have joined. So if you still haven't joined, go to daystarthome.com. There's a place to click on that button and you can lock in with us. Hey, I'm, I brought my stool up here because I really want to chill today. I, don't want, I want to deliver my heart to you like a shepherd would to the sheep because I really feel like that I don't just have a, a word from the Bible, but a word from the heart of God for you today. And um, I, I'm, I'm calling this the power of pause. And I want you to settle in and receive this. I want you to get a distraction-less environment. Don't be getting up. Don't be going around getting something to drink. Lock in. Get things quiet. Get things settled. I want you to receive this. And, and I'm not going to just share it today. It's going to be over the next few weeks. But I want you to hear what God has for you today uh, around this topic. Now, it's, it's a little bit of a challenging word. Because, you know, I've read the Bible, I've been in Bible college and seminary and a pastor and a student of the Word for many years, and I have come to the conclusion that the Bible is woefully inadequate to give you the base minimum requirements of Christianity, okay? That's just not what it was written for. It's not designed for people who said, like I used to hear all the time when I was a youth pastor, hey, Pastor Jerry, uh, can I do this and still go to heaven? Am I allowed to do this and still make it into heaven? That's not what the Bible was designed for. The Bible assumes that when you meet the risen Savior Jesus and you realize what he can do for your life, you're going to chase him with everything you have. And so I, I want to just make that same assumption. I want to bring you uh, to this great story in Luke chapter 10. Um, and let me tell you why we, we thought about this series, The Power of Pause. We came around a, a, a couple of different ideas. We thought about calling it Unplugged. Because that's kind of where you're, you are right now. You've been unplugged from school. You've been unplugged from work. You've been unplugged from culture and a lot of friends. And what is God saying in that season? Then somebody said, well, we should call this series Force Quit. You know, like when you're on your laptop and it's just got too many things going at one time and all of a sudden it locks up and you have to perform a force quit. And I think that's really 
a lot like our culture. We're shifting from one thing to another so often we're not locked in or focused on the things of God, and, and we're just not running at optimal speed. Probably a good uh, title or a good way to look at this season. Somebody else said, let's call it a hard reset. It's because, you know, on your phone, when your phone has just been doing too much stuff, you got a million programs running in the background or apps running in the background, and all of a sudden it just won't work anymore. You have to do a, a hard reset. What if God is giving us a hard reset? I want you to think for a minute, forget about viruses and forget about sickness for just a minute. I know that's on the top of your mind, but for a minute, think about the possibility that God is giving us an opportunity to just pause and reset our lives in a different direction. I'm convinced that that's what God wants for a lot of us. In fact, there's a lot of people you know. I, I want to ask you every Sunday to share this message. If you're on Facebook, it's as simply as, as hitting share. If you're watching on YouTube, you'd have to grab that link and throw it out there somewhere, text it, or, or put it on your social media. If you're on our live stream, which we love, you can grab that link also. I want you to share this with a lot of people because I believe that this verse that keeps coming up in my head is, is, is from Genesis chapter 50. It just says, what you intended to harm me, God intended for good. What if God is taking what Satan intended to harm us and he has a way for it to turn out for our good? I want you to think about that just for a minute. I mean, really, there's everything about this COVID-19 says it came from hell. I mean, there's, there's sickness, there's fear and separation. It's nothing like what God or what we want for our lives. We've had to say no to things like getting up and going to work. We know God's in favor of work. He says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. We're having to say no to going to school and interacting with, with friends, and, and that's the best way to, to, to learn and grow. We're having to say no to corporate worship. So everything about this really seems like a demonic pause. But the word I keep hearing is divine pause. What if this really is God giving us a chance to reevaluate everything? And here's what I believe. You have the power to decide whether this is a demonic pause or a divine pause in your life. This could be an opportunity for you to reposition your life, to rethink some goals that you've set for yourself, to re-question, am I going in the direction that I want to go in? Young people in high school or in college, is this the right relationship for me? Are we moving in the right pace in this relationship? A lot of opportunity to stop and question if you're living the best life that God intended for you. So what does it look like to pause? Well, there's one lady who got it right, and it's in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read just a few verses. This is a very famous scripture. I love to talk about it when I talk about worship, um, but today we're going to take it from a different standpoint, Luke 10, 38. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him, Jesus, into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted, underscore that word, distracted, by the dinner, uh, by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over many of these details. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I'm the first one to point out that there are Marys and there are Marthas. God loves us all. If we were all Marys, probably not a lot would get accomplished. 
But if we were all Marthas and we were like this, we're just focused on getting it done, focused on details, we'd forget our why. You know, Martha did a good thing that day and she did it in the wrong way because she forgot about her why. The title of today's message is understanding your why. I hope you'll take notes. I really think you're going to look back. This is a historic season. You're going to take pictures. You're going to remember things. I hope you'll remember the things God is saying to you. I hope you have a journal, not only for your daily devotions, but for your mess- our messages here at Daystar, and you're writing these things down. See, Martha had decided a long time ago, she's going to be a follower of Jesus. But on this day, she forgot the most important thing, and that was being with Jesus. Like many faithful people, She was focused everything on the what, and she had forgotten her why. This has got to be right. I got to be here on this time. I got to make sure I get this. Don't overlook that. And she's so focused on all the doing that she forgot about being. And is there another story that proves where we are as an American fast-paced modern culture than this one right here? We do more than we've ever done, but what about what we're becoming Have we stopped and asked ourselves, you're so tied up in what you're doing, have you stopped and asked why you're doing it? So write this down. I want to tell you a few lessons today. Here's the first one. Write this down. When you lose your why, you lose your way. That's what a lot of us have done. I'll tell you, I'm the first one to be in a hurry to get it all done. I I thought, once I was reading and working on this message, I thought about my uh, my own pace of life. When my family goes on vacation... Now, I want to get the most. That's, we're spending time away from work and things we could get accomplished. We're spending money. I want to get the most out of it. So I load the family up in the car. I want to get in that car early. I want to make great time. They want to stop for a bathroom break. I'm like, no, if I let you go to the bathroom, you're going to buy a big gulp. You're just going to have to, it's an endless cycle. We're going to stop over. So we're going, and when we finally stop, man, my car takes off like an atom bomb. People take out for the bathroom. And we're in a hurry to get there. And I don't want to waste any money because the more money we can save, the more we can spend on fun things. And you know what I realized when I self-evaluate or I better yet, Leslie evaluate, and she helps me evaluate self. I realized, you know, what about the fun? What if the fun was driving down the road? What if the fun was stopping at the 7-Eleven and, and, and getting ice cream? You know, what, what if you are so focused on what you're doing that you forget about why you're doing it? That's where Martha was. She was burned out. She was frustrated. In fact, she's so frustrated, she actually is correcting God. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, when you get to the place that you're correcting God, you've had a bad day, okay? She says in verse 40, it came, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister is sitting here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Now, she's not only telling Mary how to be Mary, she's telling Jesus how to be Jesus, okay? You've gotten frustrated and you've gotten a little off track when you're telling Jesus how to do Jesus. So here's the sermon in a sentence right here. If the things you're doing for God aren't fueled by time with God, you'll eventually begin to think you are God. Let that sink in just for a minute. If all the things you're doing for God aren't fueled by time you spend with God, you'll eventually start thinking you are God. This person's got it wrong. That person's got it wrong. This person's aggravating me. But when's the last time you stopped everything and focused just on how personal and powerful your time could be with God? See, here's the problem. We don't do that because we're so distracted. So here's the second lesson I want you to learn. Write it down. Distraction leads to anxiety 
and depression. It actually does. It absolutely does. Martha's anxious. She's distracted. She's focused on too many things at one time. She really can't be focused on anything. And it leads to a bad place for her. Now, when we don't take time to withdraw and pray, it, it, it drains us of everything good. And you know what? We're in a culture that's more distracted than ever. On average, the average American touches the screen of their phone 1,617 times a day. Some of you are already thinking, I blow that out of the water 200-fold. <laughs> I know you do, right? 1,617 times a day, we are touching this screen. There's only 1,440 minutes in a day. We are so distracted. The average American watches some screen for 40 hours a week. Some of you are up to 60 hours or even more. And it's just draining us. And you know, while I'm thankful that right now, the screen you're on is godly and righteous and it's good and it's pouring good things into you, most of the time, the screen is, if it's not devilish or bad for you, it's at the very least distracting and not what God has for you in that moment. And it does lead to anxiety. A 2014 study revealed that people who watch the news have more anxiety right after they've watched the news. My, my family are saying, amen to that, dad, quit it. You know, A 2013 study after the Boston Marathon bombing revealed that the people who watched the news coverage actually had more symptoms of PTSD than the people who were in the bombing. That's, that's science, y'all, that happened. That's crazy because the, the, the reality is they've got you and they're trying to just suck the life out of you. The same thing with every app you're watching, everything. They are trained at how to pull your attention away. And here's the fact. Americans' attention span is shrinking. That's happening globally, worldwide, while our time on our device is increasing. And so th there's a study done that said, when you're focused on a task, could be your prayer time, could be Bible reading, could be work, when you're fo or, or working in your home or teaching or school or whatever, when you're focused on a task and one of those 1,600 times your phone gets your attention, that it takes you, after you put that phone down, it takes you 23 minutes and 15 seconds on average to reach the level of focus that you were on before the distraction. Now, think about that. Do 23 minutes times 1,600 we're in full-time distraction mode. Now, the organizational leader in me wants to stop and talk about, you know, how you can be more productive, but that's for a different day. What I'm hearing God say today is we need to look at how our culture is killing us in our spiritual walk and pulling us away from our time with God. We've reached a time where the busier you are, the more important you are. But the most important person who ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus. Listen to me, I've read every word that we have recorded from him. I've been a full-time student of Jesus. I have never seen him to be busy. And yet he changed the world. This culture of busyness has caused us to be distracted from the things that really matter. All right, for the third lesson, I want to give you, actually, this comes from China. How about something good from China for a change? Can I get an amen? Here's something good. An ancient Chinese proverb says this. If you don't change your direction, you'll end up exactly where you're going. That's simple enough, right? Well, preacher, why? I really tuned in for that. You're telling me that? Yeah, because here's what you fooled yourself into believing. I want to go here. I want to go to this location, but I'm kind of going over here for right now. But that's okay because I'm just in a season where I've got to do it. Let me tell you, that's a lie. Where you're headed is where you're going. 
Just take the direction. Well, this is what I really want to do with my time, but right now, just for this season, I've got to do. Well, here's really where I want to be ethically and morally, but for now, here's what we really want to do with our finances, but right now, we just have to go here. Here's what we don't, don't play yet because I don't want to quit yet. I'll call you back later. I feel like I need to just lean into this. Here's what I'm trying to say for right now, but right now I'm going to do this other thing. I want you right now to project where you are right now and look at what that place looks like five years from now. What does that look like 10 years from now? Because where you're headed right now is actually where you're going. Is the relationship you're in right now, teenager, is this really the, the kind of person you want to be married to? Well, just for now, I'm going to do this. No, that's a dangerous lie to tell yourself. Because the direction you're headed in right now is where you're going to end up unless there's a direct change. What you're doing with your finances, right? Well, later we're going to save. Later we're going to live within our means. But in this season, no, no. See, you've bought into the lie of this world. John, Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He said, I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. It's clear that Jesus does not want you to be normal. He, he says that normal is a fragile peace. Brian, come on up. Normal is a fragile peace. And, and that's, that's what most people have. And you can tell if you have normal peace by how you've reacted to the COVID-19 virus epidemic. Are, are you freaking out? Are you constantly afraid? I'm, I'm about to lose my mind over this. I'm going to lose. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to get sick and die. Jesus said that's normal peace. But the peace I've given you is completely different. And, and in fact, here's his words. Don't yield to fear or be troubled. Instead, be courageous. See, you're actually going to have to be courageous if you get to the place of God's peace. Because to get there, you're going to have to say no to a bunch of junk that you've been saying yes to. How you're spending your time, how you're focusing your energy, what your budget looks like, what your family time looks like, what your work life looks like. If you're normal, you're not going to find God's peace. And I think God has given us this moment to have an opportunity for a divine change. All right, here's the last thing. I want you to take this down. Don't forget it. My challenge to you is live a life based on conviction, not addiction. Let's face it. We're addicted to this pace. I am. I like being in a hurry. <laughs> it, it feels good to me. But you know what? We need to be, live at the pace of grace. The, the pace where we're allowing God. We like to say things like, I'm walking with God. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus follower. No, you're not. Because Jesus is moving at the pace of peace, at the pace of grace. And maybe you met Jesus going at his pace, but he's going too slow for you. You're in too big of a hurry. You're going to outrun Jesus. Listen, I'm just preaching to Jerry. You know, it's really kind of uh, ironic that there's almost no one in the room because I am preaching to myself today. <laughs> This is the pace I like to be in a hurry, but I want to get to a divine pace. And if we've let the pressures and the responsibilities of this pause pile up, hear me, hear me very well, don't miss this. If you've let the pressure and the responsibility of this pause pile up on you 
And then all you're going to do is because you've got more and more and more to do, when, the fi when finally they open up our country, you're going to come running out like a bat out of hell. You've actually exacerbated this problem. And this is so much like God's opportunity for us. God gives you an opportunity. And if you miss that opportunity, you actually don't get to just stop where you were. You actually fall farther away from God. So hear my heart as a shepherd to sheep. I challenge you to use this moment as a divine, courageous pause to reevaluate where you are. Now, what, what steps should you be taking? Alan Stein, he wrote a book. He's a, he's a performance coach. He wrote a book called Raise Your Game. He studied a lot of great performers, and one of them was Kobe Bryant. He got a chance to meet Kobe, and he talked to him, and, and there was going to be an event the next day at 3.30, and he said, hey, could, could I come to your next practice? He said, yeah, my, my own personal shoot-around, you come and watch me. What time is it going to be? He said, 4 o'clock. And he said, well, that can't be because we're the event's at 3.30 tomorrow. You won't be done by 4. He said, no, 4 o'clock in the morning. He's like, man, you're the greatest basketball player there is. Why, why are you practicing at this point in your career at 4 o'clock in the morning? He said, well, I want to stay the greatest. So he met him at 4 o'clock in the morning. He was shocked. He was looking for the Kobe that he sees on ESPN in all the highlight clips. You know, the fadeaways, the crazy moves. He said there was none of that in his practice. It was all basic drills, footwork. It was basic shooting drills. It was ball handling drills. He went on for hours working on the basics. And he asked him, why are you, Kobe Bryant, the greatest basketball player, working on the basics? And he said, you're asking the wrong question. The answer is the reason I'm the great player that I am is because I'm working on the basics. What if the great life you're looking for is not built around some kind of big, supernatural, miraculous moment, but it's the basic things like Bible reading and spending time with God and commitment to worshiping with the family of God every week, joining in small groups with godly friends and, and spending time with your family before God? Listen, listen, I'm a pastor and, and, and shepherd to sheep. Let me tell you the truth. I've been to about everything. I've seen about everything that the church culture can offer you. I've been to the big conferences and the healing crusades and the miracle events and the prophetic conferences and all the great uh, concerts and all of the you know, schools of the supernatural. And let me just tell you the truth. You don't need all those miraculous things for your life to be different. What you need is something powerful in this pause where you just say, God, I'm just going to take you at your word. I'm going to reevaluate who I am. I'm going to become the kind of woman of God, the man of God I want. I'm not going to let this be a demonic pause. Some of you need to change your language. Stop calling it from the devil. Stop calling it from hell and, and say this, hey, what Satan meant for evil, God's got a great plan for. I've chosen God's plan. I'm about to log on to God's plan for this pause, and I'm going to make it not a demonic pause, but a divine pause. There is power in this pause. Pause. And it begins right here, right now.